Hello and welcome to the Curator's Salon podcast. I'm your host Geeta Joshi. So this week I have been working on the August issue of Art Scene magazine and I just wanted to share some things about what it feels like on the back end of receiving submissions and working through them and going through them and things like that. So I look at all the submissions that we get from artists who apply to the magazine and you know all the things and I know that's not always the case for I mean it's true for most publications I know about but that's not always true for um, all competitions and things like that but uh, for Art Scene magazine I look at all the submissions I look at the art read their statements and bios and if there is something interesting there then I'm quite likely to go over to their website so there's a few mistakes I see over and over and sometimes they actually just indicate amateur hour, to be honest, at which point you think, well, maybe, you know, this person just really isn't ready to, you know, have that increased exposure through like the magazine or it's not really kind of upholding the quality and level of the artist that I want to show in that publication. And one of those things is when people have like Wix or Squarespace still in their a domain name for their website instead of just being artistname.com or artistnamestudio.com uh, which is pretty standard sometimes they have the word art that's cool but when it says you know artistname.wix.something.com or you know squarespace they've literally just bought these holding um, sites and just haven't invested in themselves which really is a kind of an indication of how much they're backing themselves or actually not backing themselves and from my perspective, it really just feels like they are not backing themselves enough to even invest in buying that domain name. So, you know, sometimes, you know, if somebody's pretty good, but we're having just to weigh up because we've only got a certain number of um, allowance, you know, space allowance and things like that in the magazine, then, you know, this can be something that actually becomes the reason that we don't take them on, right? We just don't feel like they're ready. And what are they going to do with that? And the website's usually just, you know, kind of patched together anyway. And again, that just comes from the level of investment you have, like not just financially, but really, um, you know, emotionally or, um, you know, how much you're literally backing yourself. I don't know really another way to say that. So I just wanted to share that, you know, if you are somebody that is sitting on the fence and just got a temporary website, it's like, how committed are you really to um, building out a career in art or, you know, really getting some uh, exposure on your site? And what do you think that customer experience would be if you are going to, if you're planning to sell artwork through that website? Like, what is that visitor experience? Because are they going to also think, oh, this is just a, an amateur and, you know, and then start questioning, like, why your prices might be as... Um, you know, higher than they might have initially thought or something like that. So it can reflect really on your brand overall, right? How you are perceived when you have these kind of, um, essentially they're like kind of holding websites, aren't they? Or, you know, they're like they're the temporary domains. Um, they're the free version, you know, that these websites offer. So I would really encourage you to, uh, you know, think about that and uh, invest in like, actually getting your domain, which can, you know, it's usually like £20 or $20 or less. So that is one thing. Um, the next thing is when we ask for JPEGs and PNG files, or sorry, JPEGs or PNG files um, of the image artwork. 
So, I mean, I think that is pretty standard. For some of you, that's going to be really obvious. But people will still submit their artwork and then turn it into a PDF and send a PDF. Like, I can't do anything with that for the magazine, right? You're just creating more back and forth if we wanted to go ahead. But again, we're hinting at, like, you don't know what you're doing when you do that. And you probably shouldn't be sort of submitting to things if that's how you think it's done. Like, you're literally not following really pretty clear instructions that are there. And you would actually probably have that JPEG because you had to put it onto that document that you then turned into a PDF. So you actually have the files, I would expect. So it's, um, you know, PDFs, TIFFs. Um, we didn't ask for TIFFs. We asked for JPEGs or PNG files. So just kind of really paying attention to that. Another thing we get is, uh, you know, we always ask for the image files to have a certain file name, which is actually industry standard. And if you've read my book, Show Your Art, it's all explained in there. But the file names for artwork when you are submitting it, you know, whether it's to me, to any place, but definitely if you're applying to a gallery or something like that, then there's a typical a standard format, right? So this is your name and then, you know, usually a hyphen and then the artwork title hyphen dimensions and then the metric centimeters or inches hyphen uh, medium did I say that dimensions medium and then if uh, you can have price on the end as well I don't need the price but it might be just a way that you want to file it and you can add another hyphen and date and the reason we add the hyphen is really just to space it because when if you send me an image and I download it and you've just called it image you know five six seven eight which is off your phone or off your camera or something like I've downloaded it onto my computer now. I'm looking at it, and when I want to go back to it, it's it's just like lost in this download box, right? It's lost in the desktop or wherever I put it. It just doesn't stand out, so I can't even search for it by your name. So, I mean, this is one of the reasons we do it, so that, you know, the recipient can actually, you know, find it easily, and making it easy for other people is actually part of this work. So, you know, we always want the file names uh, done in this way and we always get the people that will just like download it from Facebook. Um, so that has a like massive string of numbers and then it'll say like .jpg or something at the end. Um, so that's not helpful at all. We get people that will screenshot their Instagram and um, use that image. You know, when we very specifically said, well, firstly, we want the file name to be in this very industry standard kind of format. Um, and, you know, for ease, for filing, for recognition, you know, if I'm looking at dozens of artists or more, then, like I said, you know, just having this sort of random numbers and letters is just like not helpful. So we always see the people that just don't bother doing that. They don't read the instructions. And then um, what's the how else do they do it? So they do the photographs, the Facebook download ones. Um, and yeah, or just, you know, like on the camera, right, where it just says a sort of IMG and then three or four numbers. So those things, again, not helpful. And um, I really would encourage you to like organize your images better. Um, you know, do them in this standard format. That spacing, like that hyphen that I said there, is really just so that that file name uh, can be scanned easily. Whereas, you know, if you just wrote it all as a string of words, your name, the artist, uh, sorry, 
artist name, artwork title, blah, blah, blah. It would just like be really look like one long word and it wouldn't be easy to scan. And so, again, we're going back to the point of this is being easy to read. You know, you can um, it doesn't have to be hyphens. It can be dots or um, it can just be a space. Any of that is fine. But the point, you know, that we're actually you know, the goal we're trying to achieve is like ease of understanding, ease of reading and, you know, kind of moving along and let, not letting that thing be the hiccup. OK, so now I've got that off my chest. Um, I would really encourage you to kind of use like that as, you know, the baseline of how you're filing your artwork and your images and, your, you know, wherever you're doing that, right, Dropbox, G Drive, um, hard drive, anything, any of those places, but just kind of creating your filing um, in a way that is really actually easy for you to also find very quickly if and when you need to as well. When you're uploading to online galleries, again, that is really helpful because now you've got it in the file name. That is going to actually help your artwork, um, you know, again, be sort of found and things like that. So, you know, any places you're submitting, you know, this is one of the ways that you can make your submission processes. Let's say you're putting some time aside uh, to actually go through a number of submissions or actually put in those applications. Then again, like having your file, your image files all named, as I've explained, is a much easier and quicker process for you to get around it all as well. So moving on to this statement and bio for submissions at least I'm going to really to kind of talk through the lens of art scene but you know you should just think about like the sorts of places that you are applying to like if you're applying to an exhibition or you're applying to a gallery then what you might need to say in the statement and bio or bio particularly could be a bit different but for the purpose of the magazine uh, you know you should definitely have like got your hands on a copy digital or uh, you know print whichever is better for you and had a look at how we do this what sort of things we talk about and you'll see that a lot of times we're really kind of interested in ideas, right? Lots of, um, not necessarily how somebody makes something, but we're often looking at the motivation behind it, the discourse they're trying to create, their personal um, experience of, well, often both the making, but the subject that they're inquiring into as well. And... You know, when, when I receive these statements and bios as part of the submission form, I'm kind of, one of the things I'm doing is looking at how, not unique necessarily, but, um, you know, that how well that person understands what they're trying to do and how, how well they're trying to convey it. And does it raise questions in me? So is this somebody I want to get into conversation with? Is this something that we can delve into more? And it's from that that we decide like, okay, well, let's do a longer piece and let's send them some questions so that they can expand on some of these points that they've uh, referenced in their, uh, in their submission form. So that is, you know, we're really using the bio and the statement as a foundation of like opening up that conversation and, you know, being... And I want you to think about like when you're writing them out, like giving us enough information that obviously you are interesting and more importantly, you're going to be interesting to my readers because that's one of the things I'm really trying to do here is serve those people. So the way you help yourself and you, is by helping me, right? So you kind of get to grips with like what your, um, you know, what are the interesting aspects of your uh, bio and your statement, uh, conveying that in... Uh, usually easy to read language, you know, we 
often have to soften that language when uh, people submit in very academic language. And then, you know, really opening that door to potentially more conversation or that kind of makes us think like, oh, actually, I want to learn more about that. So let's uh, send some more questions over to them and, you know, turn it into a Q&A or we just turn it into an expanded piece and things like that. So really, you know, there's a lot of that happening. It's like, how interesting is this? Um, and when people are only talking about the process, and, you know, unless it is about their, you know, an intuitive process or something like that, that's, you know, there's something there to explore because in, in doing that, they're really kind of tapping into other aspects of themselves that in, you know, a lot of the times it's something we have um, suppressed, right? And through the artwork that we're allowing a more intuitive expression. But, you know, when people just talk about how to make something, and this happens on social media as well, it's like you've just given us instruction and we've, it, we've kind of like um, sated. It's like, okay, well, that's what you've got to say about it. Thanks. All right. Um, bye. Because, you know, that is not like the nature of, you know, it's not the nature of my magazine. But, you know, if you, if you are right, somebody that is just writing a lot about how you make something, then, you know, it can also leave your audience Yes, they will admire your skill and your dedication and all those sorts of things, but it's not really going to convey them into the thinking side of it, the emotional side of um, connecting with your art and getting involved in conversation with that because you've clearly only, it's all about the making, right? And, you know, so you get to kind of explore that some more and look at, right, what is it about making that you know, you're so drawn to, right? Maybe you just always had a very, I don't know, academic background or something like that. And it was all about the thinking and what you actually love doing is making with your hands. So, you know, that can be your story, but it is really up to you to kind of uh, figure that out. And, uh, you know, you can do that in your self-reflection in the journal. You can do it if you are in um, artist groups and maker groups and things like that and, you know, all the different ways. And the next thing I want to address is, um, you know, when people are considering applying for Art Scene magazine and they're saying things like, oh, well, it's £30 admission, though actually we did recently have a flash sale. So if you're on my mailing list, then you would know that occasionally we have a flash sale on uh, that submission fee and it goes down to 25 but normally it is 30 and people are weighing up like, oh, should I, is it worth it? Well, it's really up to you, right? You know, you can apply, you can not apply, but if you can afford it, then where else could you spend that £30? Like maybe you want to put it behind Facebook ads or Insta boost an Instagram post. I mean, if that works for you, then do that. Uh, you know, you have to remember, like the magazine is a very different offering. It for sure can bring people into your audience. But one of the things it does is helps you deepen your credibility with the audience that you already have. And, and I really want to talk about this because it's a really a missing piece in people's understanding, right? You're replying to things and think it's just going to get you more exposure. But like maybe, as I said, maybe you just need to put, you know, money behind a Facebook post or something if like you just want to get in front of more people. The magazine has a different sort of value. And, you know, if, obviously if you're selected, and we actually select quite a, you know, a high percentage of people. If they're not in one issue, they usually get, um, they're often selected for a, a different issue. 
but it's not the same thing, you know, and, you know, open calls are quite different. And I'm really only kind of talking about mine. But, you know, when you're in when you're in that publication, it is going to bring people into your world. But then it is up to you to like nurture those people. Like, you know, if they're just coming over to your page and going, oh, I like your work or I saw you in the magazine or something. Well, is that if that was the end of that conversation, is that enough for you? And really, it shouldn't be. You should be creating, you know, content or having a website or, you know, some kind of sign up thing um, where you can bring them more into your world and engage with them deeper and nurture them through to being advocates of your work and potentially buying your work. And that audience that you already have are really good people to tell about your appearance in the magazine, for example, right, because it is... um, you know, it just lends that credibility to you getting that recognition. So, you know, they're seeing that you have now been chosen to be in this publication, that audience who are already following you, who are already on your mailing list, for example, they're going to feel very rewarded by being, you know, one of your early adopters, you know, to use tech language. But they're one of those people that think, wow, you know, I've known about her since before she was, you know, in the magazine and she's like, you know, they're kind of seeing that momentum in your journey, which is rewarding um, them for having known about you, uh, you know, for longer. And they're sort of seeing you progress. And that feels fulfilling to your audience who you should be serving, at least in this kind of uh, feel good ways, right? If if you're not able to, um, you know, sate them with your artwork or whatever it is. Again, like, you know, telling people that have bought your work in the past that you have, uh, like, you know, got this uh, recognition or you've got this article in there and they can learn more about you or it's a different thing. Um, whatever, you know, it is like a Q&A or a studio visit or something. That is the audience you really uh, should be primed and ready to tell. So, you know, if you've if you've been in the magazine or, you know, you're going to be in one of our future editions and, uh, you know, as you prep the launch of the magazine it's not just like the magazine oh it came out yeah great like you should you can really leverage like that inclusion to convert people who are already interested in your art into buying which i know people have successfully done you know that have been in the magazine and they've been through my program so they know how to work this but you know telling them that you are going to be uh in the magazine you know telling them where to get the magazine and then you know you could think about having some kind of launch around that as well right whether it's a studio day to like I don't know just you know a studio day that kind of aligns with you know the the new publication I mean it doesn't have to be on launch day absolutely not right you just fit it in with your schedule but getting that having some kind of thing where those people who are already warmed up can come and celebrate with you and just using it as an occasion to have an open studio, um, have a flash sale, offer a discount on shipping, whatever it is that you normally, um, you know, do or something like that. Or I don't know, you might want to gift them a, a copy of the magazine if they buy artwork over or an original artwork or artwork over 500 or whatever feels good to you. Right. So you can think about like how you can market that and use your inclusion in a publication like, you know, hopefully mine, but of course it could be any of them um, to just, you know, get you towards what you want. Right. That deepening um, engagement, that um the, the sales, that 
uh, advocacy, like, you know, have them bring a friend if you're going to have an open studio day or something like that. Whatever it is, right, you can just use all of this to create a little bit of traction in, you know, in what's going on for you, you know, within your art practice. So, so that, um, you know, th those are some of the ways that you can use that. So going back to, you know, is it worth it for £30? Well, that's really up to you, right? You know, you can apply, you cannot apply, I don't care. But I'm just trying to tell you, like, you know, that it's not how you spend £30 in your marketing budget. Is, it can be really, really different. Um, and also, if you are showing at fairs or you already have an open studio planned or something, having that copy of the magazine there with, you know, open to the pages that are talking about you, that, again, is just such an enriching experience, right? There, <clears throat> especially you know, to people that have already seen your work and are coming back to visit you at open studios, or it's people that are discovering you for the, for the first time, right? There's just more credibility there uh, alongside your um, art fair booth and all those sorts of things. So they're really kind of saying like, okay, well, they're written about, you know, I'm just discovering for the first time, but obviously this person is getting quite a lot of attention and I should pay attention to them too, right? This is the subconscious messaging that is happening there. All right, so I think I've packed quite a bit in there and I wanted to let you know that my three-month group coaching program is open for enrollment. We start in the middle of July. Uh, I think the date, the first date is the 17th. It runs for three months. It is small group coaching and I'm going to add a link in the show notes if you are interested. Uh, you can take a look at that. Uh, we work together for three months. There's a bunch of recorded trainings, um, how to do these sorts of things, how to harness that audience, how to really engage them, how to have events, manage sales conversations. All the good stuff is in there. And uh, we have bi-weekly calls. So we have our welcome call on the 17th and then the following week and every second Monday afterwards, we have a group coaching call. And it's my intention for this to be a very small group so it is quite intimate so we all get that time together and uh, you can ask for input and feedback and ask your questions and things like that in between our sessions as I said we go for three months so yeah take a look at that and if that one doesn't feel right for you then I'm also going to add the link in the show notes to the show your art membership which is all about becoming your own gallerist and uh, this one is a membership so it's a much lighter format you get a bunch of trainings and we have a Zoom call every second Wednesday of the month. And then on the fourth Wednesday of the month, there is a Facebook Live. So you don't get as much access to me, but you can work through a lot of the same uh, material at your own pace. And um, yeah, and that is open for enrollment as well. And you can join for six months or 12 months with that one, which gives you enough time to work through things, you know, because I know not everybody's working on their art and their art business all the time. All right, I hope you found this uh, episode helpful. Um, do share the episode if you found it helpful and you can follow me on Instagram at the Gita Joshi.